Gail. And hi, I'm Catherine. Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. We're excited to be in our fourth year. This has been a labor of love that now needs your support. We urge you to join Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund, or make a donation so we may continue to inspire women to age with purpose, resilience, and self-care. Visit womenover70.com and join today. And we're delighted to have Selena Edelstein, who is 84, in our studio with us today. Hi, Selena. Hi, Gail. How are you, Catherine? Hi, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. A pleasure to be here. Good. Selena is, uh, as I said, 84 and has been a medical researcher her entire career. Originally, she studied bone growth. Ironic, since she broke her leg twice and more recently, the bone right below her knee. Selena and I met in our building's book club. She lived in New York, was married, and had a son. They divorced while their son was young. Angelo, a research doctor, became her professional mentor. Together, they opened a research lab and for 44 years studied molecules that carry cholesterol and cause arteriosclerosis and thrombosis. They published over 100 papers. Research at this level envelops your entire life. After Angelo's wife died, it was inevitable that Angela and Selena would find a life together. Unfortunately, Angelo died much too soon after a fall in their shower stall. They had lived together for seven years. Selena and I both have chapters in another podcast guest's Kim Beth Judge's book titled Becoming a Widow, an anthology of journeys from two to one. It's featured in Women Over 70's books by women in the section on our website. Selena was also a Holocaust survivor and a hidden child. Born to Jewish parents who were killed, she was smuggled to excuse me, a Polish woman who cared for her initially. She tells a very important story about this, and we promise to bring her back to share it with us if we don't get to discuss it today. Welcome again to Women Over 70, Selena. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, thank you. Yes, there are so many facets to your life. So let's start the conversation by hearing more about your research days. What led you to this work? What was it like? And what impact did it have on you? Yeah, well, my my actual scientific, quote, career started when I was in high school. I, I always liked science and science subjects. And in high school, I fell in love with chemistry. Mm. And uh, from then on, uh, uh, after doing a little bit of re so-called research at home, you know, with chemical kits and so on, I truly could not stop. And so when I entered college, I majored in chemistry. What and, is it about chemistry that you loved? Well, it was the um, fascination of, of the uh, the chemicals and, and the molecules and what they gave off and how thing, how colors change at the very beginning when I was just very naive, <laughs> how colors changed with chemicals. And it just fascinated me. And I was always a curious child anyway. And um, 
uh, I guess it's very hard to describe when you fall in love with with a subject. You just it just happens. <laughs> I bet it just yeah. happens inside of you, and and uh, you just go go with with the flow, so to speak, go with your feelings. Uh -huh. So at any rate, um, so I, I went to college, majored in chemistry, and uh, during my senior, sorry, my junior year, I met my husband-to-be. He was a year ahead of me, and um, he was a medical student. He was going to be a medical student. Um, he was a senior graduating next year and becoming medical student. And um, I, was, I was thrilled with that, not because he was but he was in medicine and he understood my interest in mm -hmm. science. Sure. So, <laughs> yeah. So by the, um, by my scene towards the end of my senior year, we got married. So at that time, now this is, I got married in 1960. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was a time where um, I thought I would go on to graduate school after graduation and so on. But after marrying my husband, and by the way, I was 21 when I married him, going on 15. <laughs> and, and so what happened was he had a scholarship for tuition to medical school, but that's it. And so unhappily, I found out that the only way we could live would be for me to work. And so there were my graduate school dreams and also dreams of traveling, taking a year off and traveling. Uh, that went out the window. <clears throat> but I figured, well, I'm doing it for a good cause. It's for our future. And so I started to work. <clears throat> Little did I know that I didn't stop until I retired at 72. <laughs> huh? um, Quite a long time. Uh, so in 1960, we got married, and in 19, and we lived in New York City, in in Brooklyn actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, in 1963, he um, got a internship at the University of Chicago. So of course we went. I went along with him, and we settled uh, in Hyde Park, right near the university. He did his internship and I worked. He did his residency and I worked. Mm. Uh, but during this time in 1963, um, I was looking obviously for a new a research position, something that I could uh, work with, make money and be interested in. And so uh, there was a position open and it was uh, turned out to be a man who I would get to know and eventually live with for the rest of my life. And his name was Angelo. Mm -hmm. Now, at that time, Angelo was getting um, not just fellowships, but grants from sources uh, like the National In Institute of Health, insurance companies. And he had enough money to start a laboratory at the university besides being a faculty member at that time also, of course. And so when I entered his laboratory, there was just two rooms, nothing else, no equipment, nothing. 
But he interviewed me and I, I saw right away how gracious he was and, and what a wonderful topic he was going to, he was doing his research in. Tell and us a little bit more was, on that, about the topic. <laughs> yes, and we'll, we'll get into that. By that time, he was already partially established from his work in Europe. Um, he was born in Sardinia, Italy, and uh, he had uh, he was an MD, and he had done research in lipoproteins. Those mm -hmm. are molecules that have a very very important role in atherosclerosis and heart disease. Mm -hmm. And um, he was here. He was first at the Cleveland Clinic, and then eventually here at the university. So I was very much intrigued and I had never heard of lipoprotein. So it was really, really starting from scratch. Um, but he, he liked the, I guess, he liked my enthusiasm. And he said, okay, let's start, let's do it. And sure enough, I was hired, began to equip the laboratory. So the research itself um, at the beginning, now we're talking about the 1960s, Mm -hmm. when very little was known about um, atherosclerosis, about heart disease, and what molecules um, were involved in these diseases. And so uh, we learned about lipoproteins. Those are molecules that contain cholesterol uh, and, and proteins. And cholesterol was the heart of the, <laughs> the, heart of the whole problem. Uh, as you know, to this day, uh, the levels of your blood cholesterol, in particular, uh, LDL cholesterol, is very important in how your doctor treats you for cholesterol problems and for atherosclerosis. Mm -hmm. And we are actually, we were actually one of the first laboratories, not the only, but one of the very first that studied a molecule called HDL, that's the good cholesterol, mm -hmm. high-density cholesterol. And uh, not only did we study it, but we identified all the proteins and started to look at its structure-function relationships. And uh, throughout throughout my years there, we, we published many, many. And I should say, although I published, well, about 100 uh, journal approved articles, peer reviewed articles, Angela published over 300. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> so he, and, and not only did, did he do research, he was the director of the lab and I was there and we hired other people and the lab expanded so that at one time we had over 20 people working in the laboratory. Mm -hmm. And um, they consisted of technicians, um, fellows, that is, um, men with an MD degree who wanted to come and do research in our laboratory, um, students, graduate students, postgraduate students, and uh, also not just nationally, but internationally. Mm -hmm. At mm -hmm. one point, we looked like the UN. We had people from practically all over the world working with us. It sounds like you. Yeah, sure. Selena, did you um, 
did you do more formal education or were you learning well, by doing? Okay, so that's so of course I got my bachelor's in college mm -hmm. and um, after I had my my son, I had a son by the way, <laughs> during our marriage, and I'll get into that a little later. Um, I wanted to go back to graduate school, but of course the time was well, let me go back a few. Let me let me just go back. Otherwise, it's going to get confusing. Um, I was living with my husband. He went into uh, internship and then into um, radiology with a uh, within the Department of Radiology. And um, what happened was that we just we could not live together. It was it was a it was in the late 60s, and if you remember those days, women's role in the, in the house meant the woman should stay home and the husband brings the money at that time. Of course, now many, many things have changed, thank goodness. But at that time, it was tough, and I had a child, and he just did not want me to work, and yet he was not bringing in enough money. An internship or a residency brings very little money in, certainly did at that time. So I had to continue working. So at any rate, our marriage just did not work out. And we got divorced. And I wound up with a six-year-old child that uh, I supported. He, he did to a very small extent. And I had to work. Otherwise, we could not live. And so when I finally wanted to go back to graduate school, I, I took courses, but I could not complete my thesis because I had to work. Now, in many uh, schools, maybe it has changed now, when one is doing a thesis and working in a laboratory, you cannot have a job, okay, an, an actual outside job. And so that stopped me. And so I did take graduate courses. I took three years of graduate courses. And so I was well qualified to do the research. I just did not have my PhD degree. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, probably if, if I was doing it right now, uh, 2010, 2020, it would have been a cinch to do it. Mm -hmm. But at that time, it was much more difficult. Right. But nevertheless, we, um, we published many. Um, I presented many of my papers, actually our papers. It was always a laboratory effort, um, nationally and internationally. And um, I loved doing the research. I mean, it was my life. Um, so there are many careers where you delve into them and and... Oh no, and, and you think it's it's your life. Um, but in my in my case, it was totally I was totally involved in it. Uh, I would live and breathe science. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I felt also in order to do good science, you really have to not just understand the topic and many other topics related to your particular subject. But also, you had to read extensively, spend many, many hours in the laboratory to get things done. Sure, sure. Interact with colleagues. Um, 
And so it, it just took up 24 hours huh. of my single day each day, uh, even though bringing up a son and, of course, giving attention to him, raising him. But still, it, it was such so that I had, of course, social interactions with people, but there wasn't that much except for my science. And uh, so then when I retired, when finally we closed the laboratory and I retired, I was kind of lost. Mm -hmm. uh, what was it like for you? Well, at the beginning, it wasn't too bad. I was with Angelo then. Uh, and of course, he was all into science too. So I had a partner and we could at least commensurate, mm -hmm. <laughs> commiserate, really. Uh, we, we could talk about it and continue reading uh, on our subject, continue, continue getting journals and reading all the articles. Uh, of course, it wasn't the same. We were not in the laboratory. But, but slowly and slowly, I felt something else was missing in my life. I wanted not only the socialization, but I wanted to get into more cultural aspects of my life. Mm -hmm. Art. Uh, and, and music. And so I joined, uh, uh, well, we got tickets to the uh, symphonies. We went to the theaters. We went to museums. And, and of course, I started reading many, many more novels, actual novels, not science books. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so my life changed. And, and I like it very, very much. Um, I, I still delve into science and I read some journals. I, I don't think I could ever stop doing that. Uh, but I do do appreciate so many other aspects of life now that I just didn't have time for, didn't even realize they existed. Mm -hmm. So in that respect, my life has changed. Um, and even getting involved in things like politics. I had never paid attention to politics, what was going on. Yes, I voted, barely voted, but now everything has a totally different meaning in my life mm -hmm. at, at that time. Well, that makes me wonder, uh, you, you know, you had uh, talked with us about about uh, being a Holocaust survivor and a, and a hidden child. Yes. And yes. so... So you that you sounds like you pretty much put that aside all the time that you were working. And and although I guess you can never put it aside, I, I shouldn't put words in your mouth. And and uh, but but so when you had the time and you began to get interested in politics and the arts and all, mm -hmm. did this this uh, early life experience have any uh, was it was it any part of you know, did it become something bigger for you now that you could really look at it? Um, <clears throat> well, it became bigger in, in the last few years to some extent. But throughout my life, throughout my education and, and doing research and so on, I never forgot that I was a survivor. First of all, I, since I lost my parents, I lived with my aunt and uncle. And they were survivors. And so one would hear about it 
every day. Mm-hmm. It's something one can never, never forget and erase out of your mind. I'm no sure. matter how, how young you've been, but if you've grown up with it and listening to it, it never leaves your mind. So um, it, it was a tragedy, of course, the whole Holocaust, but people live through tragedies. They make a life, they make careers, but they never forget their tragedy. Mm-hmm. And so this is how I was. In fact, um, I don't remember exactly, but it was in the 90s, I believe. Um, I gave a talk in Florida uh, during the Holocaust Memorial Week mm-hmm. uh, on on my experiences. And so, so I could still talk about it, and I was still working very much involved in... Uh, um, in in the sciences, so I feel yeah there are two like two aspects of my life, but they're blended in. Mm-hmm. And and now that you're able to concentrate on politics and and um, and you know right. you, you said that was important to you and all, I would oh. imagine yeah that this that this. Uh, or that you're you're being a Holocaust survivor and and uh, well in the hidden child we didn't even talk about that um, yeah what what that all means to you now as you as you uh, are able to spend time in the arts and the and and politics right yeah. you know I think as we all get older we start thinking about ourselves our lives whether we've accomplished something or not, but not so much the accomplishments as the development of our emotional um, characteristics of our thoughts. Mm. We all had thoughts when we were younger and so on, and, and it develops. But now as we're older, I can sit back and think about what the Holocaust did to my mind to the way I think and the way I conduct myself in life right now. Mm. And also it gives me so much more understanding for other people that are going through not a Holocaust, but just as badly all over the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it gives me much, much more, emp- I feel much more understanding and empathy for many people in various situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, other people that have not gone through may feel the same way, but it's really given me much more of an insight. And, and also it's given me uh, questions that I've had about my life. Would I have done things differently if things if I had never gone through the Holocaust and and how how has that um, made me grow up, mm-hmm. and so I'm still I'm still debating these questions that I don't have all the answers yet. <laughs> but um, it is enjoyable in a way to be able to look back and try to decipher my feelings throughout my life and why I did certain things that I did. 
Do you do that in any formal fashion or or is it simply uh, a casual function? Well, you know, well, the one thing I did to start with, <clears throat> I started to look up the roots of my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was kind of interesting uh, because well, I don't want to get into the Holocaust thing, but I knew very little about my parents because I was so young when they were killed. Um, so I decided to learn. There was um, there were quite a few databases, but one in particular in Poland that I um, attended or really signed up for, and and I found many many things about my parents I did not know. Mm. <clears throat> and when I when I did that. Suddenly, I get a phone call uh, from Israel, and this man who we both shared the same great grandmother. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> and he was thrilled. He said he's been looking for me for years and years, oh. and there was no way he could have found me except through this database. Right. And so he sent me a huge amount of material on my mother's side, all the way down to all the ancestors, down to the 1700s, mm. which was quite interesting. And, and I've gotten to know quite a bit about, about my father's side as well. So that, uh, to me, that took a, a while, a chunk of my life, which I thought was just fascinating, yeah. uh, just terrific. <laughs> And but that made me think also about my own heritage, where I come from, what it all means to me, what it all meant as I was doing this this work. Mm-hmm. So everybody's been telling me you should write a book. You should write a book. Well, I'm not a novelist. I know how to write um, what scientific nomenclature, <laughs> but I don't know how to write a novel. I have a feeling you could do it, Selena. <laughs> uh, but um, I did start writing a little bit. And now and then I go back to it and I try to express myself more and more. Maybe maybe in a few years I'll have something written. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I'd love to see it. I'd love to read it. I read the paper that you, of the presentation you did in Florida. Oh, Yes. Yes, and that was really well done. So I, I know that you can write a book if you want. <laughs> you just you'll just research the heck out of it and figure right. it out. <laughs> and the, the other thing that I, I really have to learn, I lack discipline in doing that. Mm-hmm. And I guess that has to be somehow learned. I, I don't know. How does one get discipline to get up every day and write for an hour or two or three? <laughs> Can't I can do that going that. exercise for an hour. That I'm disciplined, but <laughs> not the writing. I would just suggest joining a, a memoir writing group. And- oh, there are such things? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I, I never looked into it. <laughs> You've got a fascinating story to share. Yes, we do. Well, so... Okay, so now we know what you're going to be doing as you age. As I age, and yes. hopefully I'll have enough time before my time is up. Of course you will. You'll be so involved in, in what you're doing. Oh, thank you. 
Selena, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. This this was fascinating, and we wish you good luck in your in your pursuit, your writing pursuit. <laughs> thank you. It was my pleasure, and it was, and I'm very thankful that you had me on your podcast. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. Our pleasure. Oh, thank you. We're honored. So uh, at the beginning of the podcast, we urged you to join Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund. Aging Reimagined Circle hosts our monthly interactive programs. We invite you to engage in these probing discussions and lend your voice to these important conversations about issues that matter to women aging. Visit womenover70.com to join. Music